You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning. It's Tuesday, 6th of February. You're on Breakfast with Michael Carianis and James Magnuson this morning. Here on SEN 1170 AM, six more sleeps till the big boys are back. Vossi and Brandy, six sleeps away. Get excited, fam. And for the first time, uh, first hour, we welcome you listening on SENQ 693 up there in Brisbane. Patton Hills will be with you from 6 AM. If you're listening anywhere across the SEN network, good morning to you. Now, huge news we just heard from Vanessa. This is going to be the lead story of the day all around the world. King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer, MC. That was a little bit of a shock to wake up to this morning. Yeah. He just got there. Good morning, Missile. Yeah, he's waited a long time to um, take realm or, or take hold of the, the throne. But, yes, um, that, that news just before we came on air that King Charles um, has cancer. They haven't disclosed exactly what type of, of cancer it is yet. Obviously, when a underwent a procedure around Christmas uh, for his prostate, but they said it's not related to that. Yeah, they're stressing that it's not prostate cancer. We don't know what type of cancer it is. Uh, thoughts and prayers with our king. Uh, lots of other news. <laughs> MC this morning. Uh, rugby league legend on today, Brad Fittler. I'm excited for this one. Speaking of kings. Yes. Yes, Brad. The New South Wales king, Freddie Fittler, on this morning. So he's on his annual tour to regional areas. Is this the motorbike tour he does? Yeah, yeah. Is this yeah. a little bit early this year? Um, I'm not sure. We have to ask him. I thought usually it was more like in, rug- in rugby league season with the ex-players, all that sort of jazz. Very excited to get Freddie on. Uh, Dr. Justin Coulson, uh, he's coming in to talk to us about junior rugby league, uh, getting rid of grand finals, getting rid of some of the, the competition mm. for those younger children. Um, he's going to talk to us about the effects that will have on those budding sports stars and how it may affect their their development in sport. Uh, This is an interesting story that came across your desk, MC. Um, Not sure what your Google search history was for this one, but the Gold Coast wants to ban the G-string on the beach. I was outraged. I thought this would be right up your alley, Miss Owen. I wasn't wrong. Yeah, so it looks like, uh, well, there's a push from one lone individual. So I can't say it's a Oh, so state. it's not the whole Gold Coast. It's not, I'm tipping it's not the whole Gold Coast, particularly around schoolies time, um, to ban the G-string. It's not offensive, isn't it? No. Does it offend you when you're striding your stuff on the Bondi shores? No, I don't wear my G-string to the beach. <laughs> um, I keep that for around the house. <laughs> no, it's pretty popular in the AMC. It seems to be, as time has gone, the amount of material mm. in the swimsuit has decreased. Yes, that is true. We're, we're left now with 
there's not much coverage left, mm. to be honest. But I'm a fan. Mm. Doesn't doesn't upset me. It definitely does not worry me. No. But uh, to that man up on the Gold Coast who's petitioning, so he's gone to the Gold Coast, the mayor of the Gold Coast. He said he wants it banned. Grow up. Mm. Grow up. If you feel uncomfortable, that's on you. Yeah, it's a you problem. You've got some private sexual frustration that you need to get out of your system. Don't be banning the G-string. We're big fans here on the, su- on the summer breakfast show. Uh, all right. Dogs on public transport. Talk to me about this one, MC. Well, we both love our dogs. We love right? our dogs. We, we, do, we do love our dogs, and my dog's definitely part of my life. And, you know, if we're going out for breakfast and the like, I don't take him to a place where I can't take the dog. Yeah. Um, so we have the bub and my wife and the dog all, yep. all come to, together. We try and, you know, it's a little bit harder for, for dinner and stuff. But if we're yeah. going out for, for lunch or, or breakfast, we, we definitely make sure that we can go to a place um, – that is dog friendly. Obviously, there's lots of pubs around the inner west that are, are, are dog mm. friendly uh, as well. But there was a, uh, a story doing around in the last 24 hours where regarding a push or the potential to have dogs on public transport. Um, it's allowed in Europe, South America, and, and New Zealand. Um, but as the transport secretary Josh Murray, who said that they were looking into the potential for allowing dogs on public transport. Okay. It is an interesting one because there's obviously dog people or pet people. Yeah. Um, and there's people that don't want a dog, a random dog licking them. So I, I can understand that. Where do you sit on dogs on, on public transport? Good question. I mean, my dog I don't have a problem yeah. with because he's pretty well trained and behaved. But if you've got like a pit bull champing yeah. at the bit yeah. on a on a public transport yeah. and a three-year-old kid walking down the aisle, I can see the issues with it. Funnily enough, in America, I think it must have to be like a, some sort of support dog. You mm. know, when people say, oh, I rely on my dog or whatever. Yep. So I was sitting on a plane once and in front of me on the seat, sitting up on the seat, was a full-size poodle. Yeah. And a full-size poodle, for those that don't know, is pretty much about the size of a greyhound, mm. a full-size poodle. And this thing was perched up with the haircut and everything on the seat in front of me. And the lady must have bought it a plane ticket. But on in America, you're allowed to bring them on domestic mm. flights. Yeah. So that was a little bit Do of a Do they have out. to be support dogs in America? I think you could just take I'm them. Not, I'm, I'm, not I'm sure. pretty sure in America, I've seen enough of them now where, like, poodle's not a support dog. Well, I could support you. Depends what your issues are. You might mm. not like G-strings at the beach, so you get yourself <laughs> get, a poodle. Get yourself a poodle to look at. <laughs> was it wearing undies, like a dog, dog nappy? No, but um, yeah, it, it, it was just perched up there on the seat, sat there for the full flight. I think I was going from somewhere like Dallas to LA or mm. something like that, and I didn't have a problem with it. No, but you're a dog person. It was quite comical, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'd have no issue with it. You're right. Like, where? what's the cutoff? As you said, you know, if you've got a pit bull on, on a train... That wouldn't make anyone comfortable whatsoever. And then maybe they all need to wear a muzzle. Yeah. If, if, yeah, they're, that's on, fair. if they're on a It doesn't matter the size of the dog. It doesn't matter the breed of the dog. Um, if you do have your, your dog on, on public transport, just to try and mitigate some potential dramas. The problem is public transport, transport could go down the gurgler really quick if you've got dogs, for lack of a better term, pissing and shitting on yeah. trains. Yeah. 
planes and automobiles. Yeah, that's not ideal. That could get rough. That's not ideal. Hey, call us or text us throughout the show. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy to have a chat to us. 0457-736-736. Give us a text. Andrew from Brisbane has called through. He wants to talk about dogs on public transport. Morning, Andrew. Oh, morning, gentlemen. Uh, not just public transport, good restaurants, planes, whatever. Keep your dogs at home. <laughs> you're doing it if you can't do it without your dogs for an hour. Oh, I feel, I feel slack leaving my dog at home, Andrew. What have you got to do? Why? What's wrong with it? It's a dog. It's not a, not a human. It's all, part of, it's, it's all part of my life, my dog. I, I feel, as I said, if when we go out, for, obviously we only sit outdoors. Um, if there's a place to, to go for, for breakfast in our area, um, I take the dog. And if I can't take the dog, I don't go there. You know, when I was when I was living in Balmain, most of the pubs you could bring your dog yeah, in inside. The, yeah, in the inner west, there's so many places where you can take the dog inside. Yeah. For sure. Would you ever take your dog to the pub? Andrew, Andrew? Does, Andrew do you have a dog? Yeah, mate. Yep. Oh, what's, what sort of dog you got? It's a bit It's a bit yeah. But, uh, it's, uh, I believe you, you get uh, more longevity out of uh, non-purebreds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, thanks for your call, Andrew. I'm sure your sentiment is going to be echoed by many. I just did a quick Google MC. 40% of Australian households own uh, at least one dog. Mm. So 40%. So this is probably going to split 60-40 against, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. And I'd like to know the weirdest place you've taken your dog. Like, weirdest place like, I've taken my dog. Or, or people in, in general, where have they taken their dog? Yeah, oh um, four five seven seven three six seven three six. Where's the weirdest place you've taken? When your we dog? look, if we're sta- if we're travelling interstate or whatever, I look for Airbnb, whatever the case may be. That's pet friendly. Yeah, um, we've gone more dog sitter of recent. I've had you've had because to, we uh, don't like travelling, particularly if we're flying. I, no, I don't like course. taking my dog yeah. on a flight. No, no, yeah, I've never taken the dog on the plane. But I'm saying if we're uh, if we're staying somewhere that's in a driving distance. Then I'll drive and, and find somewhere where I can take the dog. Hey, we've talked this morning G-strings, dogs on transport. Mm. I just want to keep a little bit pop culture as, yep. as we keep going. Schooner prices going up. Yeah. Fuel prices going up. Yeah. Biannual tax rises. Surely there's other things we can tax than two of our most important commodities, <laughs> particularly for our demographic here on SEN. Schooners. And fuel. Mm. Come on. Find something what else. Would you, what would you like to tax? How about boat fuel? <laughs> or how about like... That was so random. How about the tax on private jets? Or I don't know. Something that doesn't affect us in everyday <laughs> life. Yeah, that's fair. Scoo- schooners. So there's a problem at the moment, um, MC. I saw the other day one of the, big, one of the biggest uh, independent brewers here in Sydney, Wayward Brewing. Um, has gone out of business. Mm. So these these boutique breweries are really struggling at the moment because of the increased taxes. So they have to pass on the price rises, whereas some of those big companies like your Asahis who own, or Asahis bought Carlton um, United who had all the Australian brands and yeah. stuff. They don't pass on the price hikes because they can afford not to because they're so big. And so all these little boutique breweries are going out of business, which is pretty sad because, again, if you live in around, say, Marrickville, Newtown, Camperdown, yeah. there's a heap of them, heap, heap of them. And they're, they're the ones that struggle with these tax rises. So it's not great for small business. It's not great for the individual 
because the price of beer goes up for all of us. And then fuel hikes, like, come on. Are you, are you a craft beer guy? Not particularly. But I'll, I'll say if it's a, if it's a lager, yeah. yes. I'm not a um, Pale, IPA yeah. kind I'm, of guy. I'm exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. But one thing I always think about fuel is uh, fair trading. Mm. Where, where are they when it comes to fuel prices? So long weekend coming up. Yeah. Wooshka, fuel yeah. goes up. Yeah. Oh, that's the war in Ukraine, is it? Just happens on the long weekends, does it? Yeah. yeah. But even if you buy fuel, I think it's like Thursday through Saturday, it's more expensive than if you buy Monday through Wednesday because mm. it's coming into the weekend. Where's fair trading on that? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously, that's yeah, some of the things we need to look gouging. at. It is that's price, price gouging. Price gouging. Or even, all right, grand finals on in uh, Melbourne for the AFL. Yeah. Prices that's of flights right. from Sydney through the roof. Do price th- gouging. Do you think it was the same for hotels and uh, the CBD tonight to see Henry Winkler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for over 50s. <laughs> RSL clubs have hiked their prices for drinks all across the CBD. Uh, but I've always thought, like, if, if I'm a small business, right? Let's say for my gym, uh, in January, more people want to go to the gym yep. because they've done their New Year's resolutions and all that stuff. If I hike my prices for January, mm. people would be complaining and saying it's price gouging. Yeah, and yeah. it would be an issue for, for fair trading, I believe. Like people can't work out in January because they've hiked the prices yeah, everywhere yeah. because people uh, have got New Year's resolutions. I just think... That's the things we need to look at for cost of living. Yep, for sure. If you're going to increase the, the price on fuel, put a cap on it. Mm. All right, the price of fuel is going up, but we're capped it at $2.20 across the year. Yeah. At no time can it go above that. Well, that's the thing, the discrepancy, as you said, between you know a, a random Monday and a, a long weekend. That's where, it, that, that's where it's madness. Rubbish. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. We're going to solve all the big problems right here. I know, here. we're going, getting Summer very deep very morning. early. Uh, the Penrith Panthers have got a three-part documentary coming out on Channel 9. This sounds very cool. Have a listen. Do you think the Panthers 21, 22, 23 team is the greatest NRL team of all time? Well, the 23 season's not over yet, so ask me when it's over. Back-to-back premieres are hunting history as they aim to become the first in the NRL era to achieve an NRL three-peat. We do themes, and you know, we've been doing that for three years. Yeah, this year was we want to be undisputed champions. Premierships are really difficult to win. On any given day, anyone can knock you over and you can be out very quickly. This final series is a whole new ball game. There's teams that have gotten a lot better, so we have to be better ourselves. Yeah, for me as a competitor, I want to play the best at their best. Considering the players they've lost, it is incredible they're still there now. I think if Penrith could win three in a row now, I think that'd be the, the greatest achievement that the game has seen. Lewis picked up an injury here. The star 5'8 now racing the clock to be back in time. It was going to be painful, but I was just always positive. The one that you see outside this energetic loudmouth, he comes home completely different. But just knowing that this is going to be my last time here, it was really emotional. All those memories that I've had, those big moments, um, I wouldn't be there without the blokes inside these four wars. Put all this work in all year, so get out there and have fun with each other. Find that dog in and find that ruthless edge, that'll be the difference. The first thought there was, this was a nightmare. Just ask for a little bit more of a Mustang in. I love these. Mm. Feed this sort of stuff straight into my veins. They've wheeled Sturlo back out for it. Yep. How good. Hopefully, I mean, the, the toughest thing to overcome in the season for the Panthers was, of course, Jerome Luai's wedding speech. So hopefully that features with Brian Toe's stinky ass. Uh, with a lot of ass talk this morning. Calm down, MC. We're not even to the first ad break yet. But I love these sort of documentaries. A little bit American. Yeah. But making their way now into popular culture here in Australia. And I love them.
Yeah, and they've touched on the theme. This year, their, their theme was carrying around uh, a heavy, or last year was carrying around a heavyweight title belt, a replica belt to say that they're undisputed champions, um, which was... What do you think it would be this year, 2024? Well, I'm not sure because the year before was Top Gun. Uh, they had a Top Gun yeah. theme where they were all um, given monikers from, from Top Gun. And um, it, it was interesting. And they, they went, they kept that all along. Um, usually it was Cameron Serraldo who was in charge of, of the themes. Well, it's worked well at the Bulldogs. Uh, <laughs> what, was, what do you think? <laughs> Let us know what the Bulldogs theme yeah. could be this year. Well, what was it last year? <laughs> On the brink. <laughs> I don't know. What could it be? That's the a good u- one for the, our listeners. The utility. Remember, you can call us throughout the show, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 We have a Signet power bank to give away to the best caller today. We're here for Brighton's lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Brighton's lawyers. Your calls and texts in just a moment. Welcome back to SEN 1170 AM here in Sydney. It's pouring outside, MC, mm. which is actually a little bit of a relief because yesterday was one of the most humid days in recent memory. I went to the beach yesterday. It was... I had a very enjoyable day. I was there for a few hours, in and out. Did anybody complain about your G-string? <laughs> <laughs> I would have had to have been wearing something beside it. Oh, no, no, there. No, no, no. There we go. Real Dave Riccio. <laughs> the chance today of a thunderstorm later, heading for a top of 27 degrees. Good morning up there in Brisbane. If you're with us, you're here for another half an hour before Patton Hills will wake up and join you. Partly cloudy day up there. 33 degrees. They're probably listening to us saying humidity. <laughs> what do these losers know about humidity? Breakfast is powered by Kubota for over 40 years. We've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. As I said off the top, six more sleeps. And the boss man and Brandy are back on your airwaves. Uh, all right, one 1170 to talk to us throughout the show. James from Hornsby. Morning, James. Morning, James. Morning, Michael. We've got our tinfoils hat on. Yes, let's go. <laughs> Love this stuff. Rightio. Okay, I think it was about nine or ten years ago, a barrel of oil cost $142. Right. We're paying around $1.20 a litre for fuel. Price of barrel of oil, I think I heard yesterday, was $74. We're paying $2.10. Work right. that out. Who's making, who's making the profit? We don't know. Government. Yeah. Just look at they want to put the taxes up. You think of New Zealand. Just Senator Dern put brought in something in New Zealand saying there'd be no cigarettes sold from fourteen year olds onwards to get rid of all the cigarettes in New Zealand. Yeah. The new Prime Minister got rid of it because they worked out how much money they'd lose from the taxes. Yeah. There it is, That's James. So $140 MC for a barrel of oil back then, $74 now. Our price goes up. Go figure. Put your tinfoil hat on, MC. Who's who's making the money? This is out of my realm. No, <laughs> we love it. We love it. Keep calling us in like James did. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, And you can text us 0457736736. Few texts uh, coming any through. Any fact-checking? Do we know that's what? Like, no, okay, no so, fact-checking no, from no, me. No worries. I'll just take James's word for it. I believe him. He's a good man, good name. <laughs> Kiwi Joe says, anything to talk about the dogs missile? Yes. yes, yes, yes. And anything for MC to talk about butts. <laughs> Big G says, morning, missile and Michael. I don't use public transport. But I don't believe dogs should be allowed on public transport. It's not the dogs, it's the people handling them. After all this time, you know, people still don't clean up after them. The bloke who wants to ban a G-string needs to be deported. It's gone to all areas. But yeah, I agree. It is, it is, it's a lot of responsibility that you're giving to the owners. Mm, yep. And unfortunately, a lot of dog owners 
don't handle that responsibility yeah. well. And a non-cleaning up thing. Your street had a real problem. Well, yeah. Well, the guy on the corner of the street does have a, a sign-up saying. Has it helped? Well, I haven't. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was an issue outside his house anyway, because it's a pretty quiet street. But, um, yeah. What about well, this text? We're talking about Bulldogs themes. What's the potential for a theme for the Canary Bulldogs in, in 2024? Last year, the Panthers had undisputed. The year before that was Top Gun. Um, the Bulldogs. Here's a text here. Bulldogs theme could be the Titanic. Oh, harsh. <laughs> Matt Burton, Jack, <laughs> Cameron Serraldo, no room on the iceberg. <laughs> Gus, has, uh, Gus has got a life raft though. <laughs> yeah, he's made it out alive. He's left them there. Raymond Fato and the Mariners <laughs> going down off the ship. Bye, Raymond. <laughs> uh, Let us know your theme for the Bulldogs or your club. Yeah, as what's well your club's theme this in, year in the NRL? Good one, good one. Paul McQuarrie Pearl says. My mate was on a flight from San Fran to another U.S. city and said someone boarded with a miniature horse. They were claiming that it was their support animal. True story, and it's ludicrous. Holy miniature horse. Mm. Where would it sit in the aisle? There's a bloke that rides around Dulwich Chill with a pony. Really? Yep. Yeah, there you I, go. I saw him quite often when I was living there. All right, 6.30 news up next with Vanessa. 5.30 if you're in Brisbane. We'll bring you all the big sporting headlines straight after the news, including a big NRL contract extension and plenty more. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Bryden's Lawyers. Thanks, Vanessa. Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. If you're just waking up, here's some of what's making news. The Courier-Mail reports that Ezra Mam has agreed to terms on a $3 million extension, keeping him at the Broncos until at least the end of 2028, beating the likes of Dolphins for his signature. Oh, Ezra Mam, Ezra Mam goes through 30 out, takes on Edwards, burns Edwards. Oh, wham, bam, thank you, Ezra Mam. Scores a try, Broncos have the lead. What a call there from the great Joel Kane. He'll be back this year on SEN League commentary, uh, 2024, live here. Mm. Love Joel Kane's commentary. All right, $3 million for Ezra, ma'am. Is that a mil a year from 25 onwards? No, a bit less. Less? Uh, He's a million-dollar man. Three tries in a grand final. Yeah, but it works out to be a bit less than a mil. He's a million-dollar man. <laughs> He's still I, – I think it's a good, a good deal for both parties, right? Because it's – Good deal for him. Well – New salary cap, the million dollars is now more like an $800,000 player. Yeah, and I, I still think he's still got a, a bit of time to prove himself in terms of being a consistent NRL player. Like, he, he showed uh, the back end of the year that he, he's got all the potential in the world to be a superstar. But you look at that side as well. They've still got to re-sign Reece Walsh. they got Payne Haas. they got Staggs. they got um, uh, Carrigan. they got some big names there that they yeah, need to, to squeeze in. And, and how are they going to fit Reese Walsh into all of this? So if, if you had to pay one of those guys a million dollars right now, it's Reese Walsh. Yes. So, you know, Ezra, Ezra Mann's But when time, you say pay a million dollars, at other clubs, Reese Walsh is getting at least 1.2. Probably, probably 1. more. 2, yeah. But he, he's had his time away and it didn't work for him. So he's probably more settled at, at Brisbane now. And What you know, does Ezra Mann get in another club? Probably a mil. Just a mil? Just a mil. Okay. I'm starting thinking about... These new contracts now yeah. is in the new salary cap, which is an extra 30%, right? Yeah. This new salary cap. So I'm going 30% of 
on a mil. If he up, would have paid him a mil before, now I'd pay him more like 1.2 yeah. up to 1.3. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt clubs can have two million dollar players. Some clubs already do. Roosters have seven. <laughs> and that's just their wingers. <laughs> no, but um, I, I can't for the life of me. So I saw an article where they were talking about Adam Reynolds, and they said there's just a few things to finalize before he re-signs for a further year. How are they fitting him in there as well? What's yeah, he, doing? I'd say Adam Reynolds' deal goes down significantly. To what? Six? Even seven? then. What, Even would he, then. what would you pay Adam Reynolds? No, I'd, I'd yeah. pay at the Bulldogs. I'd pay Adam Reynolds 800 to a million. Yeah. But I don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a sacrifice you make to have another dip at a grand final before you retire. But looking at that Broncos lineup and clubs will pay players on potential now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So on potential, Ezra Mann is at least over a million dollars. Yeah, at you, least. You, you could have Mann, Walsh, Payne Haas all on a million dollars at the Broncos. Yeah. With Carrigan a little bit less. Fair enough. Uh, listeners, 0457736736 is Ezra Mann on sub $1 million enough. How do they fit all these players into their salary cap? Uh, tough day for Manly players at the coronial inquest yesterday into the death of their former teammate, Keith Titmus. The inquest was told yesterday that he was suffering from heat stroke when he collapsed at training and later died. Really sad story, MC. Um, not too much to comment on that no, one. No, it's obviously Just a, a, a tough hor- day. horrific story. And Josh Schuster, one of his teammates, um, you know, was emotional as he gave uh, evidence in, in that inquest, and, and that inquest would continue. Uh, India has beaten England by 106 runs in their second test to level the series, chasing 399 for victory. The tourists were one for 95, so it was looking good. Then they lost five wickets in the morning session to allow India to take charge of the contest. Here is uh, Mukesh Kumar once again, bowls. Edge gone, taken by keeper Shrikha Bharat. Shoaib Bashir is on his way. India are going to win the test match. It's going to be 1-1 going to the third. A reminder, SEN commentary team are back in action from 2pm this afternoon for the third test third ODI between Australia and the West Indies. Uh, any interest in that one, MC, or you had enough? No, always. It's a, a dead rubber now. Yeah, it's a dead rubber. Pass an interest. Like, if I'm working and the officer at home, he'll be on in the background, but I won't be sitting there watching it intently. Are you back in the office today? Uh, I'll be in there for a bit and then off for some meetings, yes. Up, up to the Gold Coast to talk about the yeah. burning <laughs> of the G-string? Yeah, yeah, going to go. Or across to go, London to cover Charles. Going to go interview some people on the on the G-strings. Maybe check you? out what sort of flights that the NRL clubs are taking across to Vegas. That could be a good story in that, I reckon. Uh, later this morning, we'll also tell you about an unbelievable knock by a Kiwi superstar in a test against South Africa. MC, we're here for Brighton's Lawyers. If you're unable to work this morning due to injury or illness, contact Brighton's Lawyers. Massive show ahead this morning. Headlines by the King. No, not Charles. Brad Fittler will join us later in the show. We've got all your texts and calls in just a moment. Our open line, 1300 01 1170, uh, or our text line, 0457 736 736. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with Michael Karianis and James Magnuson. Breakfast listeners, six more sleeps. Vossi and Brandy will be back on your airwaves. Very excited. It's been Big shoes to fill for us, MC. Mm. But I've only got a couple more days. I'm a little sad, to be honest. You'll be back on Fridays. I'll be back on Fridays. But, yeah. you know, I've liked my weekdays with you. 
Breakfast powered by Kubota for over 40 years. We've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. As always, you can call us during the show, one 1170 All this talk about G-strings, dogs on planes, King Charles. Our text and call What's one this morning off? is blowing up. Going on. All right, let's go to Peter from Ashfield. Good morning, Peter. Yes, good morning, mate. On a bit of a different subject. Okay. We've obviously got Taylor Swift uh, coming here in February for the Eras tour. Yeah. And uh, I'd be curious if... Um, if Jason and Trevor Kelsey might come here for a bit of a holiday, and especially like Jason, I mean Taylor Swift's a big singing star, but there's no almost no bigger NFL star than um, than uh, Travis, yeah, than Kelsey, yeah. Travis Kelsey. Are you a bit of a Swifty, uh, Pete? I, I, I'm actually not. Although <laughs> uh, I did go and see her movie because I thought, what the hell's going on? Uh, what's all the hype about? <laughs> yeah, yeah well, oh, she's okay. definitely. She's definitely talented. Yeah. Did she clean up uh, yesterday, the Grammys? Yeah. I reckon... Oh, yeah, she, four Grammy yeah. Awards or whatever the case I, may I be. agree with you, Pete. I reckon they're short-priced to come out. Yeah, Travis will be... It's post-NFL season. I reckon the whole Kelsey and, entourage. I reckon his brother well, will Jason come. Jason would just family. love to come for the ride. Yeah. And he's fun. He's a fun dude. But I'd say at some point... Like, I don't know. But you'd, you'd suggest that post-Super Bowl, in a bit of time, Travis, Travis will be out here. Well, where do you think... Here's a question for you, Pete. Where do you think Taylor will stay while she's in Sydney? If you have to have a guess, your house of Bondi. Stay. Yeah. Um, Ashfield I, I Tavern. Don't, I don't know the. Uh, Over oh, a visit to West Leagues. Yeah. West, <laughs> West Leagues and Ashfield yes. is a short price favourite. <laughs> so when uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie were out here, there's like a couple of specific houses, houses that they yeah. hire in. Vaucluse, yeah. big ones on the water there that have big security gates and all that sort of stuff. But if she's only here for a couple of nights, I'm guessing like the penthouse at Crown, mm. something like that, a little bit more is private too, and secure. Too famous too for a hotel. Famous for a hotel. That's a question for our listeners. Oh yeah. four five seven seven three six seven three six. I think uh, the house. I think the house. You think the, the house? Yeah. But maybe Travis will be with her, obviously. Mm-hmm. But maybe the Kelsey entourage, so Jason and his family, maybe they stay at a hotel. But this is all questions that the paparazzi have to figure out because yeah. they have to be, you know. If we know any, get them on the line. Do we know any paparazzi? I don't. You Have you ever been papped? Yeah. I've got a funny story for yeah. you. So uh, mid-career, I just started dating Rose, my oh, yeah. current girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, for whatever reason, paparazzi wanted to get a photo of that. So we went down to North Bondi and someone must have phoned it in or something. And as we're walking back to our car, this is before I lived in Bondi, we're walking back to the car, these two paparazzi come running down and they're both trying to get the photo. And one paparazzi shoulders the other paparazzi. Stop it. They start throwing down. They start fighting over who got the picture or who was in the... Uh, these two paparazzi start fighting. And as we're walking up the street towards them, that we literally have to walk around them as they're fighting each other. Fist fight over whoever. A photo got, of you. Uh, of me and my girlfriend. How weird is that? <laughs> What's your first thought initially when you see these blokes just randomly taking photos of you firstly? Well, I'm looking around for like, is <laughs> Hugh Jackman here? Or like, is there a celebrity here? You know, it's very, it's very yeah, weird. Yeah, it's very yeah, weird. Yeah. But, uh, and then there's... Should have got your phone out and you could have sold that. Paparazzi fighting. Yeah. Yeah. 
Daily Mail would have bought that. They're pretty rogue. Uh, all right, couple of texts. 0457736736. Rob says dead on. Tay Tay is staying <laughs> in the Crown Penthouse. 15k a night. Wow. Is that confirmed? Rob, tell us your sources. Pedro the Rooster, Tay-Tay loves a snitty and chip, so I'm reliably told. Uh, yeah, fair. Dunny, it's too early for Swifty talk. Bring back Harry Knuckles and the Pie Man. All right, they're not far away. Uh, Simon from Belmore, six more sleeps for you till uh, Brandy and uh, Botsy are back. Simon from Belmore, are you talking about Tay-Tay or what are we talking about, Simon? No, nah, I'm not talking about that crap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about football, more okay. like more about the Dragons. And Panthers, okay? I just want to give you a thing about the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers are great, so they won three comp in a row, okay? But everyone's going to have a board with them, okay? It's not like they won 11 in a row, okay? <laughs> let's, let's, let's begin with the Dragons. They, they were successful for those days. No one will ever beat them, but parents are getting carried away with their three grand final. Paramount won three, okay? I mean, it's a big issue with the parents. I mean, it's not an issue. I mean, to say parents are great side, but they're just going over a border with us. It's not like when they were living in the road, they can just didn't talk. You know what I mean? Okay. I, I think they have a right I'll, to. I'll, I'll challenge that Dragons yeah. 11 in a row side. Pre-six six tackle sets, pre-professionalism, pre-salary cap. Put that Dragon side in the park. Give them a couple of years of the same training as Penrith. Penrith beat them 50-0. They obliterate that no, Dragon side. No 50-0. As it stands... As it stands, this Panthers side against the Dragons, 11 in a row side, given the 10-meter rule, Langlands, given the six Raper, again. Gaznia, Smith. In today's game, they get uh, proven, pumped. Proven. Carney. Oh, no, no, no. Pumped, no. pumped, pumped. No. Besides the fact they're all in their 80s now. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Current day, bring them back. <laughs> I'm telling you, and oh. Panthers fans will be with me. 0457736736. You've been pulled up by Pedro the Rooster. My current... Girlfriend James, oh dear, that will get back. Yeah, I know well, what you've had past girlfriends. Have you? Oh. Yeah. Um, it's not a secret. <laughs> people, the the um, I people think when you say is in, it may not be. People were unsure back at um, when before I had any girlfriends. Of your which side yeah. of the fence I was on, so that's why I think it was popular to get photos with. Um, the girlfriend. Okay. When one arose. Okay. Hey, Colin's got a question. MC says he knows no paparazzi. Please, don't you work for multiple media outlets? You must know some of the paps. I, I know zero. None of them. Zero. Even the footy photographers. Well, they're photographers. They're not paparazzi. I know photographers. But when you want photos for your article, or is that the editor that pulls those photos? You just write. Uh, no, no. We have we have staff that are photographers. I know them. Yeah. But I wouldn't classify them as paparazzi. They're photographers. In terms of, I don't know the guys. So that if are, Taylor Swift was in town, they wouldn't, wouldn't try and get a snap. They might, but I wouldn't have a clue who's doing that. Mm. I, I don't. I don't know of the guys that are sitting there trying to get photos of you in the street. Wouldn't have a clue. All right, I'll take your word for it. But I'm with Colin. <laughs> I think it's a little <laughs> Why bit would suspicious. I lie? Little Why bit suspicious. Would I lie about that? Who was taking photos of Jerome Luai at Brian Toto's wedding? I think he was sent by MC. <laughs> I wasn't invited. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. All right, MC. This day in history, mm. something very special happened. Okay. But you'll have to stay with us to find out what. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with Michael Carianis and James Magnuson. Pouring rain here in Sydney today on the 6th of February, 2024. On this day, MC, like I said, 
big things happen. Mm. 1952, Elizabeth II is proclaimed queen, holding the position for over 70 years until her death in 2022. What a significant day for the royals. Well, King Charles. For different reasons now. Answer. Yeah, different reasons. Very sad. Apparently Prince Harry's, or do you call him Prince now? Harry? He's flying over. Netflix Harry. Is it, yeah, Netflix Harry, yes. In 1940, <laughs> the animated film Pinocchio has its world premiere, becoming one of Disney's bo- most beloved classics. It always spins me out how old these mm. Disney movies are, because when you're a kid, you watch them thinking they're current yeah. day, and then yeah. you find out 1940, 1940 Pinocchio. You know, it's pretty weird. They go to that island, and they lock up all the kids and stuff, and there's, yeah. Some of the things that... Tin I watch, like about Beauty that. and the Beast the other day, like oh, the yeah. holidays. Does it hold up? There's some underlying messages which probably are a bit creepy for kids. Basically, she's held captivity and falls in love with a captor. Oh, I thought you might have liked it because it meant that beautiful women like hairy men. <laughs> <laughs> Newcastle legend Denny Vadiris was born on this day in 1978. Happy 46th birthday, Denny. Only six metres out, Newcastle. They want to level things up. Can Badiris get there? Oh, Danny Badiris, the veteran. I met Danny Badiris at the airport in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah? Yeah, getting into his work. He was with uh, Mark Hughes, maybe one of the Gidleys. Good guy, Danny. Great guy. Yeah, really good I'm going to go really out with him and say my favourite number nine ever. Uh, Obviously, Cam Smith, the best number nine yeah. ever, but he played for Queensland, so what am I going to do? It was an interesting time because he was the dominant hooker for, for so long and then had a great career, outstanding, all-time great, and then replaced by Cam Smith. Got a bit awkward there. They didn't really like each other, did they? Uh, former Australian cricketer Brad Hogg is 53. 53? Must have played until he was... Well, he came back and... He was only playing that, Big Bash a couple yeah, of years ago. Played for Australia and he's... I'll do some research for our listeners on that one. Uh, Rick Astley was born on this day... In 1966, he had the number one song in the US and the UK in 1987 with this hit. You all know it. All right, you're welcome. That'll be stuck in your head all day now. <laughs> there used to be a thing on uh, YouTube called Getting Astley. And as you'd search, like, it was like Getting Rickrolled. That's what it was called, Getting Rickrolled. You'd search it would be like Brad Pitt... Uh, has a fight on the set of Troy, and you click on it, suddenly, Rick Astley. Thanks, Rick. That's morphed into other noises. Oh, Rick, you've wrecked my morning. Uh, if you're listening through SENQ, 6.93 a.m. in Brisbane, time to say goodbye. Patton Hills are up next. Hope it's not raining as much up there as it is here in Sydney. If you're listening through SCN 11.70 a.m. here in Sydney, plenty more to come, including MCs, NRL players under pressure. Who's left, MC? South Sydney Rabbitohs. South Sydney, last one. And then we'll run through every club in case you've missed it. Beautiful. And of course, Rad Fittler, the king of New South Wales. He's not far away. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with Michael Carianis and James Magnuson. Big plan, uh, big plans today, MC, for the show. Brad Fittler, the king yes. of New South Wales, is coming on. Very excited about that one. Uh, I was listening to Sports Day mm. with Matt Rogers and Scott Sattler. 
This was a little bit wacky from Matt Rogers. Have a listen to this, MC. Billy Slater has announced that he's open to selecting both Caelan Ponga and Reese Walsh for the Maroons this season. I, I, I think Reese Walsh attacks to the right side way better than the left, mm-hmm. and Caelan Ponga is the opposite. Could you imagine having Caelan Ponga wearing the 13 jersey and just having them both sitting out the back? What? On both sides. I never thought of the 13. I always thought he'd handle centre really well if we... If someone went down the centres or, you know, one will be Valentine Holmes, who mm. primarily plays on the left side. I always thought that he'd probably be a centre or a 14, but I haven't thought about a 13. Now, you know what? In his debut, he went on as a lock. Could you imagine just having those two guys on both sides of the field? You've got Munster on one side, you've got Cherry Evans on oh, the other, it. and they've just got their shape set up. And, like, because you're always short a man. You're an ideas you got, man. Because you've got the fullback out the back. You've got the fullback defending at the back. Yep. Mate, it's... When I read that, I was just like, oh, New South Wales are in so much trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell you what I can imagine. I can imagine being Junior Paulo uh, looking up and going, oh, yeah. Oh, do I run at Pat Carrigan or do I run at Kalen Ponga? Yeah. The tiny fullback standing in the front line with a history of concussion. Come on. Yeah, I'll tell you who would Come not be on, excited by that is the Newcastle Knights. Yeah. Like, what, do you, I, what would the. The average lock would make, what, minimum 40 tackles a game. Yeah, if he's playing 80 minutes in Forget origin, about Kalen yeah. Ponga sweeping out the back. Is that dangerous? Yeah, super dangerous. We've have... seen him do it a million times from fullback. And he won't have the ability to do that because he'd be gassed from making – I get the premise, right? I hope because, they do it. I hope because they do it. they do need to find a way. It's a bit like the, the Gold Coast Titans discussion re AJ Brimson and Jaden Campbell last year where they need them both on the field. They need to find a way to get Reese Walsh and Kalen Ponga on the field at the same time. I heard Scott Salem mentioned center. Makes more That's sense. That's a potential, no doubt. Who were their centers this uh, last Val, year? Val will be one. Val Holmes will, will be one center for, for Queensland. And if Selwyn Cobo is playing center at Clubland, would he then be the other? Yeah, potentially. Murray Tualangi is played. I can't for the life of me think, think who, who was, was their year. other center. Um, but when you when you have um, – Kalen Ponga needs to be in the side. And, I'd put and, Kalen Ponga at fullback. I think – at his best and Reese Walsh's best, Kalen Ponga still slightly ahead of Reese Walsh. Hammerso was the other centre. Oh, yeah. you're not moving Hammer or Val. No. Let's be honest. So, but I, I get, like, as, as Sats mentioned, he did come on at some stage during an origin um, career and, and played uh, in his debut and played in the back row. And, you know, he could do that at a pinch, but to start there, I can't see that happening. I can't see that working, but. They need to find a way to get him on the ball um, for Queensland because, it, as we saw at the back end of last year, he's one of the most dangerous players in the competition. And, you know, the premise is right. If they have Cherry Evans and Munster and Reese Welsh and um, Caelan Ponga and Hammersell and Val Holmes, lots of points there. Yeah, it's a decent side. I'll give them that. It's a decent side. I couldn't, couldn't possibly cop another Queensland win this year, MC. That would kill mm. me. That would absolutely kill me. Andrew from Newcastle says, I think Ponga will play the 13 role for 25 minutes in the second half off the bench. He's done it before. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, And another number letting us know that the hammer was the center. Thank you. Uh, Matty Johns is back yesterday on SEN. He joined the boys uh, for the run home. Let's hear what Matty Johns had to say about the Bulldogs' chances this year. We were just talking about the Bulldogs today. Yep. Um, Can you see them improving? 
I can. I, I, I can see the Bulldogs moving up into the mid-table. I don't know if they'll play finals foot, but it's a little bit... Boy, like, I think, fellas, when a team has been... You know, have had the foot on the throat from other sides or the top of the head for a while. Once they start to get that winning feeling, you see the confidence start to grow and they really take off. Is mid-table enough for the Bulldogs with the amount of recruitment they've done? I think so because there's still question marks around their halves and they've got no middles. So they're still, like, uh, despite all the recruiting that they've done, they still have some major deficiencies in that roster. I think if they finish middle of the table, well, then you're vying for the top eight. And if they're vying for the top eight, I think that's a successful year for the Bulldogs. Top, I think they've got to be competing for the top eight this year. They have to be in and around the top eight with, let's say, five rounds to go. It has to be on the table. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If if it's another season that's a write-off by the halfway mark, then... No, it can't be that. They've got they've got to improve way more than that. I don't have them in my top eight, but no. you know, if they finish tenth, I think they've had a decent they've had an okay year. Um and they just need to land they need to land two signings, the Bulldogs, to complete that roster. They need a middle, a genuine world class middle, and they need a number seven. I agree. All right, MC, you've been talking about players under pressure. We're down to our final team today, the Rabbitohs. Who is the player under pressure at the Rabbitohs this year? Jack Wyden. Uh, arrives as the guy that is supposed to um, get him into... Well, well, when they signed him, you know, South Sydney was still in contention for the finals. They played in all these prelims in a row and a grand final in a row and hadn't got the job done. He was going to be the guy to move that needle and get the job done for him. Um, he had a poor last season at Canberra. Uh, you know, he he was well down on... on what the do you stint. think that was due to? I just... I don't know. Maybe he was stale. Maybe that... You know, I think the... That Canberra forward pack didn't dominate like we'd seen in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They had uncertainty at fullback. Their number nine's not great. But even when they came good and were winning, were well, strung together a heap of wins in a row, it wasn't due to White. No, he had a bad year, yeah. I thought it was a remarkable effort for Canberra to make the finals last year on the back of, you know, White and not playing well, their dummy half not offering much, uncertainty around them, the shifting around fullback. Papali, he not at his best. So they did well last year. So, But uh, now it's South Sydney. He arrives to play centre. Um, there's that expectation. Definitely. That he'll, he'll, start the season, he'll start the season at centre. Well, he's suspended for the first couple games. Yep. And then he's right for, I think it's round three against the Roosters. He makes his return, Jack Wyden. So he'll miss the first couple of games. And then, um, you know, the plan is to play centre. But obviously, you know, he can easily switch to the halves if the Lockie Ilias situation doesn't work out or they have an injury there. Um, but to, to Cody Walker or Ilias, but you know, in the heart, uh, at centre, um, they've got to find a way to make sure that he's in the game because you know when he's out out wide, you know, he he could have a tendency to float. But he's played for Australia, he's played for New South Wales at centre. I think he'll be a success there. And, and whether his standards on and, and off the field, like at training, is enough to bring those guys around him up because you speak to everyone, even at Canberra last year, like he's a great trainer apparently. And he sets the standards. And, you know, there's been criticisms around Latrell and other guys there at South Sydney for not yep. having those great tri- um, training standards. So I think he'll bring everyone around him up. Um, and I think he'll be a real key sign-in for, for South Sydney those, as they move back to being a top-four side. Just on South Sydney, and if they are going to move back to being a top-five, there was a lot of unrest towards the back end of last year. Sam Burgess, obviously, uh, not sure if he walked or if he was pushed out of the Bit club. Of both. Bit of both, uh, and he reportedly had some issues around standards at training mm. and work ethics of some players. Uh, all those whispers died down, or is there still 
some talk of unrest. And it's Jason Demetrio's job safe this year. Yeah, uh, there's been no talk of unrest because I think those that disagreed with it are gone now or weren't um, comfortable with the way things were were shaping. There's no doubt that South Sydney imploded last year. One of the most remarkable, you know, we, we talk about the rise of Newcastle. The downfall of South Sydney was was just as Huge. extraordinary. Um, you know, a lot of people, me included, had them the lock for a top four spot last year and they were tracking that way and then just fell into a heap and then all the stuff came out of the back end of last year with Sam Burgess walking away. He's now coach at Warrington. John Morris leaving the club. He's now at the West Tigers. So who um, are their assistant coaches this year? Ben Hornby is the, is the senior assistant. Right. Um, Does he come from uh, the Dragons? Yeah, he, he, he's been at South for a while now. Wayne okay. Bennett took him to South Sydney uh, when job. Wayne Bennett good first job. went there. So he's been in and around that system. And uh, Joe Callahan, um, is the reserve, who was a reserve grade coach, steps up with John Sutton there um, as yep. well. So they didn't really replace... Sam Burgess or, or John Morris, they just shuffled um, people in and around uh, that, that coaching staff set up um, to uh, surround Jason Demetrio. But, um, yeah, he's under pressure. I, you know, he's under pressure. No doubt is he under pressure because if they don't make – that's a top eight – that's a side that's challenging for grand finals, not to scrape into the finals. Correct. So uh, that roster and, you know, you look at Damien Cook, you look at Cody Walker – they're on the other side of 30 now. Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. You know, buzzword, premiership window. Is that slowly closing as Walker and Cook, you know, get well into their 30s? Closing for those guys. But I think, you know, and Jack Wyden as well is 30. But I think, you know, Latrell, uh, you know, Keon Kalamatangi, Junior Totola, these guys still have... Cam Murray. Cam Murray, right? Keon. Like, these guys have a lot of football left in them. So I think they're, they're well set to be a a strong side for years to come. But Cody and Damien Cook, if they look back on their careers and they haven't won a comp, they're going to think of wasted opportunities or yeah, missed opportunities, absolutely. no doubt. Because I think they, well, they played four prelims in, in, in a grand final in a row. Yeah. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot of close calls, a lot of uh, you know tough chances there for, for South Sydney just to, to miss out on winning a, a grand final. But, you know, I think they can get back there, but if they don't, Jason Demetrio will be under pressure. Two players that uh, I'd like to hear about. So Lockie Ilias, is is he under any pressure? Could Whiten potentially push into five eight, Walker mm. to halfback? And Memazulis. Yeah. So he's signed, I think it was for four years, yeah, I read. Yeah, he got a long-term deal. But he cannot get a run in first grade because Damian Cook's there and he's playing 80 minutes. And then it seems their backup op- option is more often than not um, Havili. Havili, yeah. So surely if he's re-signed for four years, part of that conversation must have been that you're going to be playing first grade. Well, I, on the f- on the first point, Lockie Elias is under pressure, no doubt, because if they don't perform and then the situation and pressure starts to mount on the coach, well, the coach will change things to try and, and shape a victory. And if, they're not, if they start poorly, the microscope will be on Elias and Jason Demetrio. And the easy shift is, is to move wide and back into the halves because they've got Tass as well, that's probably out of that first grade side. Yeah. And, and he's a first grader. Yeah. So they can put him back into the centers. So I think that's a, a real option if things don't work out. And then mm. um, the second point around Mamazoulis, well, there's no doubt they've annoyed in him as the club's long-term hooker. How old is he now? Well, he'd be, what, 22? So he's not... You know, he's not young, young. He's... But they've obviously said to him, mate, when Damien, when, when Damien Cook goes, you'll be, you'll be our hooker. But is that... 
is there any signs of Damien Cook? He's going? twenty. He just turned twenty three. Twenty three. He just turned twenty three. So well, Cook's yeah. got this year. Pretty patient um, on his contract, and then Cook still played representative football in twenty three, and play, and he can play eighty minutes, Damien Cook. And yeah. as you said, the reason that Havili um, is on the bench is because he can play, you know, that thirteen. Yeah, he can play yeah. that middle forward role. He can play proper to pin. Yeah, well, yeah, he, he plays that middle forward role yeah. really well. So um, that's the advantage. Mamazoulis is an out and out hooker. He, he can't really play anywhere else. So, but I think you'll see there'll be a gradual introduction of him. A bit more this year? Because there was a lot of talk about him as a junior. People were talking about, you know, South's got a gun. Yeah. Hooker coming through the grades. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised given the fact that, um, you know, they've shown – well, they've shown their hand here that he's going to be their long-term hooker um, and, you know, stay at that club when Damian Cook, whose deal expires at the end of next year, probably retires. So Cody Walker and Damian Cook have two years left on their deal. But you're right. Mamazula signed to 2027. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting point there where you've got a young guy who's obviously clearly been anointed, ready for first grade, but he's there to bide his time. I think it's, it's a great respect for, from the club and Mamazoulis to, to reach that agreement because he's re-signed knowing that Cook still has two years left. Yeah. So he'd be 25 by the mm. time he gets his crack. Yeah. And that's if Cook retires. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six South Sydney fans. What are your expectations of this season? And what do you expect from Jack Whiten, the man under pressure, as MC said, uh, at South Sydney? Anthony from Greystains. They love to have a crack at the Bulldogs when I'm on MC. Don't get sucked into any Bulldog success. Their four-pack is terrible. They're still short two boppers and an actual halfback. Sorry, Missile. You agree yeah, with that. That's what yeah, I said. Two, and, two and, you, and you agreed with it's that. Not their whole, it's not their whole four-pack because part of that four-pack is Reed Money, Kikau, Preston, yeah. and probably Curran, I'd say at 13. Yeah. That's not bad. It's just their props. Max King, yeah. for the first half of last year, was outstanding. If, I think he probably suffered from burnout because he was pretty much the only middle having a crack. If Max King is your bench rotation middle, that's great. If he's your starting yeah. premier prop, that's not ideal. Well, what you need, right, is that play one front row, mm. like that Big, big body who takes the kickoff, who takes the dropouts, who sets the platform for the set. Yeah, Max King off the back of that guy is awesome. That's what, yeah. Max King can ball play. Yeah. He's got an offload. He's got a little bit of footwork. He's yeah, he's definitely he's a, a very first talented grader. player. Yeah, yeah, he's a first grade, but he's not elite. But who's that hundred and twenty kilo body? Yeah. that takes that first impact, which was supposed to be Tavita, which was supposed to be Luke Thompson. And this year, it's either going to be. Uh, Max King or Liam Knight. Mm. That's that's your options. That's pretty much it. Slim pickings. Yeah, slim pickings. Well, talented first graders, but not your play one guy. Yeah, we need a big boy. We need a thicky. Uh, <laughs> Texas on the Edgewater Homes text line oh four five seven seven three six seven three six Edgewater Homes Mortgage Fund. Get up to fifteen hundred dollars a month off your home loan. T's and C's apply. That text line, 0457736736. And a reminder that Brydens Lee is your verdict is back this year. All you have to do is pick one NRL winner each week for the chance to win $2,500. Head to sensurvivor.com.au. All thanks to Brydens Lawyers. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. Morning, Nick. Morning, boys. Uh, how are you? It's a rainy Tuesday in Sydney, isn't it? Yeah, very rainy. A little bit of relief from that humidity yesterday. It was a tough day yesterday. How'd you get through it? 
uh, a little swim. Uh, we've got a little, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not a blow-up, but a, a pretend of fake. The poor man's pool out the back here with the kids. So uh, uh, we had a bit of a swim in the afternoon, and I spent lunch in the pub uh, and uh, just working on the website, mate. So uh, we got there eventually, but uh, it was a long day nonetheless. There you go, listeners. Plenty of pool time and air conditioning. That's how you get through a humid day here in Sydney. Hey, our Super Bowl is just around the corner, Nick. Uh, any weird and wacky yeah. bets that we can put on for that one? Well, absolutely. If you head to your sports bet app, there is a uh, Super Bowl novelties novelties section. Uh, Taylor Swift obviously uh, uh, dates the tight end Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs, and you can bet on whether or not there's going to be a proposal at the game. So Ooh. you can get $10 about there being a proposal, and if you're a bit of a pessimist, you can take the dollar six on no. I don't know what your thoughts are there, but the one that I didn't mind was uh, you talk about commentary booth bingo. Now, this is where the commentators aired on Channel 7 in Australia have to mention specific songs that Taylor Swift has written. The one I didn't mind was Shake It Off at a dollar forty. Yeah, that's pretty. Like that's a, that's an easy a way one to, to work in. That term into the game somewhere. Surely, Shake It Off gets a mention somewhere. Someone gets knocked down, gets sacked, the quarterback gets sacked, oh, he got up, he just shake it off, something like that. What I'm trying reckon? to think of some of our other songs that they could work in. Like, what, what, what is, is like, Love Story, MC, what, what's your favourite Taylor Swift song? I don't, know. I don't know what they're called. I don't. I know, I know plenty of Taylor Swift Nick, songs, what are the other songs in the, in the market? Do we have any Taylor Swift songs? Well, oh, he's gone. Nick's not with us. Well, we have to play some Taylor Swift songs. I'm back here. I'm back oh, here. He's back here. He is. What are some other, what are some other Taylor back. Swift songs that it could be in the market for commentary? What's that, sorry? What were some other Taylor Swift options, the songs that could be in the market? So there's Shake It Off was $1.40. Is there anything else? Yes, Style $1.27. Bad Blood $1.33. You'd have to think that one. gets a go. Karma at $1.50. Wildest Dreams, $1.75, surely whichever team wins, particularly if it's the Chiefs. They'll talk about Wildest Dreams there. So They're all pretty uh, short odds. Are there any long odds? What's that, sorry? They're all pretty short odds. Is there anything long? Any songs that are long odds uh, to get mentioned? The, the, rank out, the rank outsider is Lavender Hayes at the $8.50. You'd have to be a genius commentator to get that one into the, uh, into the game, wouldn't you? So, hey, what about the halftime show, boys? Uh, my Way is expected to be the, the first song played at $2. Of course, I think that was Calvin Harris wrote the song about Taylor Swift when they were just after they finished dating. OMG, $2.50, yeah, at $5. And DJ got us falling in love at $8.50. So, so I'm guessing... What about, what about Confessions? I'm guessing That's it must favorite. be... So it's Usher, is it? That's it's been Usher, named. Yeah. So Usher's halftime. That's pretty good. Yeah, Confessions yeah. is half after. Confessions is the banger. Do we know if he's going to bring out any... Uh, $21, part two. Oh. 21. Mm. It's not really family friendly, mm. I guess, but... Yeah, it is. <laughs> cheating. You might yeah, upset I'll... a few people if they play that one. Well, so, can we play that for the um, We've got a few other markets there, boys, but just head to your sports bet app and check it out. There's a bit of fun to be had, so it's not all about the game. If you're not a Chiefs or a Niners supporter, there's still a couple of bets that you can have that might keep you entertained throughout the game. And it is always a long game, isn't it? Yes, it is a long game. Three hours worth, usually, maybe a bit more. All right, thanks for joining us, Nick. Love your work. Thanks, boys. Talk soon.
Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Now, we're talking about middles for mm. the Bulldogs MC. Jack's texter and said, G'day, miss. A bit of mail at Parramatta. Their backup front row on Makatoa is off to the Bulldogs. Has MC heard about this? I uh, haven't. Is there a late signing in, to be announced for the Eels in the next fortnight? I haven't heard that, but I'm doing some homework today. Makes sense. Yeah. Eels are pretty stacked for middles, right? And the Dogs de- are desperate to add someone. Um, I wouldn't have minded Wiramu Greg. Mm, yeah, he goes good. Goes really yeah, good. He goes good. Morning, boys. Uh, word was Alamotti is being converted to a second row at Penrith. Thoughts, says Matt from Penrith. I'd like to still see him. He's so young. And we, you know, he was a, a prodigy coming through the grades. So I'd like to see him spend a bit more time at center. But He's can big you enough. coach speed? Because that was where he yeah. was lacking badly in defense. Mm. He was getting stood up weekly yeah. from speedy opposition centers. Yeah. We'll see what a different system brings him True. as well. True. Uh, Randy says, Dean Hawkins, captain South's reserve grade to a premiership last year, I think was named player of the season. He absolutely deserves a crack at South starting halfback if Ilias isn't getting it done. Yeah, good point, Randy. He's been there for a couple of years now, filled in through injury and um, origin in the origin period when Cody Walker was playing and stuff like that. So potentially, um, but I'd say the first shift may be Jack Wyden. Okay. Well, I rate it, Randy. Uh, a reminder, you can win weekly prizes and a major prize of an NRL grand final experience thanks to the brand of hot water. It comes on steady, hot, and strong. Ream, visit nrltipping.sen.com.au. News up next, and then we'll be back with all the big sport headlines of the morning. Thanks, Vanessa. Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. If you're just waking up, here's some of what's making news. Courier Mail is reporting that Ezra Mam has agreed to terms on a $3 million-plus extension keeping him at the Broncos until at least the end of 2028, beating the likes of the Dolphins for his signature. Was it just the Dolphins? I, I think it came down to that when uh, Ezra sort of decided that, that he didn't want to leave Queensland. What would the Dolphins have been offering Ezra? Oh. Mill? Yeah. To partner Katoa. Katoa? Mm. That's suddenly a pretty good-looking spine. Yeah. Marshall King, Katoa, Hammer up the back. Yeah, speedy. Speedy. Ooh, speedy. Yeah. I like Marshall the Dolphins' King. chances this year. Marshall King, most improved player in the competition over the last 24 months. Yeah. He did that article at the beginning of last year saying he wanted to be a top five, five yeah. or top three, whatever it was, hooker. Yeah. I, I laughed at it because yeah. he'd been at the Bulldogs for the previous four or five seasons. But Wayne Bennett gets the best out of his players, he's, and Marshall King was amazing. He's Last season, back half of the last season at Canary was decent. All right, yeah. Before that was horrid, horrid. I didn't think it was a first grade, and now he's you could gone speak. Uh, you know, he's played for the Kiwis, and you could say, yeah, he's one of the most improved players in the competition. Yeah, I agree. Tough day for Manly players at the Coronial Inquest yesterday into the death of their former teammate Keith Titmus. The inquest was told yesterday that he was suffering from heat stroke when he collapsed at training and later died. In cricket news, New Zealand superstar Rachin Ravindra has continued his meteoric rise, scoring a double century in the first test against South Africa. He became the fourth Kiwi player to convert his maiden century into a double ton. His final score of 240 is the highest maiden century for a New Zealander. Here's Brant Bowling, and uh, Ravindra's onto the back foot. He's called the ball through. 
and 200 for Rashan Ravindra running on the shot as he hits the ball to cover he removes his helmet raises his bat and the crowd here at the Bay Oval salute Rashan Ravindra 200 not out the third to fourth New Zealander to turn his maiden test century into a double century joining Martin Donnelly Devon Conway and Matthew Sinclair in that exclusive club a quite wonderful innings it's going to be super interesting to see he, how he goes against that all-star mm. Australian bowling lineup. Mm, if he that, can ton up against them, then yeah, they've that, got a star on their hands. Because a, a genuine B-side, C-side even. Yeah, D-side. Pretty poor. It was on the TV behind us just before. I think he's got over five hundred runs in that innings, yeah. New Zealand. So yeah. Uh, reminder: the SEN commentary team are back in action from two p.m. this afternoon for the third one-day international between Australia and the West Indies. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. In just a moment, we'll take a closer look at this issue we brought up yesterday. The lack of grand finals for junior rugby league clubs. Uh, plenty of feedback from the text line yesterday, so we're going to address that right after this. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with James Magnuson and Michael Karianis. And over the weekend, and, and we spoke about this in detail yesterday, Missile, regarding the NRL's decision to enforce junior rugby league associations to ban grand finals and to under 13s mm. and to um, have a, a, a program where they don't tackle until midway through under sevens. Some associations are, have pulled back, have pushed back against this, but they've been warned that it is the rules of the game. So it is mandatory. And if they don't implement these decisions, uh, they'll no longer be sanctioned by the New South Wales or the NRL. Mm. New South Wales Rugby League or the NRL. MacArthur will go to a, a crucial vote tomorrow night to decide if they're going to try and implement it. St. George have hesitations. Parramatta said, yeah, we'll implement it as long as the rest of Sydney does. Um, we had our say yesterday. I'm quite comfortable with the no tackling. I think it's a a, a fair concept to, to get the kids in. Um, no pressure, no expectation learn the game, develop great tackle technique, and by midway through under seven, so it's not that long mm. that they get an opportunity to t- tackle. Our issue was with no grand finals until the age of 13. Correct. Uh, we've got an expert on the line, a parenting expert and host and host of Happy Families, the number one parenting podcast in Australia, Justin, Dr. Justin Coulson. Justin, thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, good to be with you, gentlemen. So talk us through from your expert um, analysis, your, your views on this mandate by the NRL to ban grand finals until under-13s? Okay, so there's a couple of things here. And, and I'm listening to your intro, and it's kind of my, my shoulders are getting a little bit tense as I listen because people have huge opinions about this stuff without any consideration of what evidence says. We, we tend to jump to opinions pretty quick. We get pretty set in our ways, and we don't like it when anyone pushes against the status quo. I, I agree with you on the tackling. I think that's really important. In terms of the in, in terms of the final stuff, though, this is where it gets really, really interesting. Like the, the standard response from most people will probably be something like, "Well, kids just need to toughen up, and uh, the world is competitive, and the sooner they get used to it, the better they'll be." And I, I did it when I was a kid, and I turned out fine. That's the standard response. From a psychological perspective, developmentally, we've actually got pretty good research that highlights that in younger years competition is not really good for kids. Um, and what I mean by that is there's this stage in a sort of childhood development where we go through something that's called concrete operational thinking. 
what that basically means is the world is black and white and kids really do just take on whatever the world gives them as gospel. We tend to grow out of that by the time we get somewhere around 12, 13, 14 years of age. In other words, we move from this concrete way of thinking to what's known as formal operational thinking. I know a whole lot of psychological babble here, but basically we get used to the idea that you can win and still be a bad person or you can lose and still be a good person and that your identity isn't uh, intertwined perfectly with the outcomes that you're getting. Essentially what I'm getting at here is that there's a whole lot of studies that show that competition for kids under about the age of 12 to 14 is really, really hard for them cognitively. It's hard for them from an identity perspective. It's not in their best interests. And what we should be doing in those earlier years up to, I'm going to say, the first or second year of high school, around grade seven, grade eight, is focusing on building two things and two things only. Number one, building relationships. Because when kids are involved in sport where their friends are, they like it more. And number two, we should be focusing on building competence, helping kids to make progress. Because when they build competence and they feel like they're progressing in their skill development, their mastery of the, of the sport, of the discipline, they like it more, which means that they're more likely to stay in it and keep going year on year on year. What competition does is it turns relationships from collaborative into competitive, and we see everyone as a combatant. And it punishes those who are incompetent and elevates those who are competent. And often, the main reason that kids are more competent than other kids is because of when they were born in the year, that is, they're 12 months older than the youngest kids on the field, uh, and it has nothing to do with their actual uh, potential in that sport. It's just that they have an extra year to practice because they were born on July 1 and the other kid was born on July 30, so one kid got in and one kid didn't, and so they were up a, up a, up a year or down a year. We're joined by Dr. Justin Coulson, parenting expert and host of the Happy Families podcast, number one parenting podcast in Australia. Justin, interestingly, with what you said there around sport and, and identity and maybe them identifying themselves as either a winner or a loser, can I take you away from the sporting field for a second then? If, if this is a developmental phase and they're taking identity from results, should we not be scoring tests at school or giving grades at school if i'm a d student when i'm 11 or 12 years old do i then identify as dumb and therefore can't break that mold as as i i guess mature mentally i wish that uh, the education department was listening right now because that's exactly exactly what we should be moving to if we had a competency-based school system especially in those younger years what we would be doing is we would be saying to kids, hey, you know what, you're struggling with this, but rather than giving you a report card that says you're dumb or giving you a, a band, a low band on NAPLAN rather than a high band, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight that you still just need to do a bit of work. You're not quite confident yet. Uh, when I was a university lecturer, uh, probably more than a decade ago now, I used to say to my students in their university courses, you can resubmit this as many times as you want because my job is not to grade you on an assessment. My job is to teach you psychology. And what I wanted to do was to help them to become competent in their psychological discipline, in, in the learning of psychology. Uh, unfortunately, we have a school system and a sporting system and a society that is built on something other than that, built on this idea of competition and evaluation. And, and, and make no mistake, this stuff is important. Competition and evaluation does matter. 
But it doesn't matter in those early years because those early years are where we start to build our identity, we start to build our beliefs about what we can and can't do, whether we're capable or not, whether we can become competent, whether we can develop mastery. And every time we smash some kid and say, guess what, you lost four games in a row, you're off the team. Or guess, I, I mean, sorry, let me, I, I, I care about this so much. I've got six of my own kids and I've watched it happen to them. Look at what Cricket Australia did a few years ago when they said, we're going to bring the boundaries in, we're going to shorten the pitch, we're going to soften the ball, we're going to make sure that kids can bat. Uh, they face 30 deliveries. They can get out 30 times or they can hit 36. It doesn't matter. 30 deliveries and then they're done. They remove the competitive aspects to it. And what happened was parents were up in arms and cricket clubs were up in arms saying, oh, we're mildly coddling our kids, we're cotton wooling our kids. But at the end of the season, after they ran this in junior cricket, what they found was that the kids actually liked cricket more and attrition rates dropped for kids wanting to sign up again next year. Why? Because they were building relationships and they were building competence. From my perspective, the NRL is not going far enough with what they've done. Mm. Okay. Can I can I approach it from a different perspective, a different sport? So I, I come from swimming, Justin, and swimming is pretty hard to take competition out of it because basically you touch the wall first and you know where you've finished. Now, you spoke about kids that were maybe bigger as young kids and therefore it's not necessarily a skill set but a size aspect that creates success at a younger level. Uh, I was a big kid and I subsequently I now am, I'm, a, I'm a big adult. <laughs> and that meant that I was good at swimming as a young kid and my passion and fire for the sport of swimming came from, quite honestly, winning. That rush, that thrill that I got of winning. I, I, I remember back to my first school swimming carnival at nine years of age, winning in my first race. Guess what I did after I won that first race? I went and signed up at the local swimming club. From that day on, I was then a swimmer, and that was part of my identity. I was a big kid. I won the race. I was a big adult. I won the world championships. What would you say to to that aspect of competition from an individual sport where really competition is quite cut and dry? So competition for winners builds what we call the basic psychological need of competence. That is, all of us want to feel good. We all want to feel competent. We want to feel capable. We want to feel like we can master whatever it is that we're doing. So as a nine-year-old, you have this competence-building experience where you say, wow, I did this, I did it really well, I did it at a level that's different to everybody else. So the competition magnified that for you. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm in and I need to do more of this because I want more of that feeling. That's completely uh, in line with what psychological theory would predict. Yeah. And therefore, for the winners, competition can be wonderfully uh, supportive. It can be wonderfully enhancing. There's two challenges that we have with young kids around this. Number one, there's a whole lot of losers, okay? So your, your feeling good came at the price of everyone else feeling bad, potentially, depending on how important it was to them. Uh, and, and I know that some people might so, sort of say, oh, this is some sort of um, lefty, cry on your pillow, get out of the violins kind of thing. But realistically, who knows how many other kids were in that race who had the potential as they got older to develop into incredible swimmers but because they failed, we missed out on discovering their potential. There could have been another world champion in the pool with you that day, James. We just will never know. The second thing, though, and I think this is the critical thing, we've got some really clever research that's come out of the UK and the US that highlights that for kids who are winning, that is, they're feeling competent, as nine-year-olds, that's great. 
but suddenly you turn 12 or suddenly you turn 14 and there's going to come a point where you're not winning anymore. Now, in your case, that didn't happen so often. And you had, I guess, the mental fortitude, the resilience, whatever it was, to push through the times where you weren't winning and keep at it. But there's plenty of people who don't keep winning. They come up against the James Magnusons of the world. And too many of them, unfortunately, will drop out. And the reason they'll drop out is because their identity is tied to the fact that they win. When they're no longer winning, we see them buckle under the pressure. There's that resilience thing again. Yep. Uh, we, we hear horror stories right up to and including uh, the death of people who die at their own hand because the pressure to accomplish that level and stay at that level, to fulfill their potential, to achieve the promise becomes too great, which is just uh, so devastating. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Justin. It's a really interesting perspective you've given us uh, from a different uh, field of, of expertise, and we've loved having you on. Uh, that's Dr. Justin Coulson, parenting expert and host of Happy Family. So you can catch him on the Happy Families podcast, which is the number one parenting podcast in Australia. Thanks, Justin. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with Michael Carianis and James Magnuson. If you missed any of the Dr. Justin Coulson chat, it's up on our podcast. Search for Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Calls, texts, we are blowing up mm, here, MC. It's been a busy morning. There was so much more we wanted to talk about in that yes. interview with Dr. Justin Coulson, but we, we just ran out of time. We wanted to maybe debate him a little bit more yeah. on it because we're obviously pro-competition. Uh, Shane from Bronte has called us, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Morning, Shane. Morning, gentlemen. How are we? Never better, Shane. Talk to us about this competition for young kids. Well, I've coached rugby league from under sixes to under 12s, 13s. Mm. Um, the first three years was what the, there was no grand finals, no competition. But we knew, well, not we knew, the kids knew who won and who lost every game, right? They watch yeah. rugby league. They know that if you score one more try, one more point, one more anything, you win. Um, so no matter how many times you told them it was just for fun and there's no competition, they, they all know. They all want to win. They all want to strive. They all want to be better. Mm. Um, as that bloke said, and as you alluded to, James, which is brilliant, there can only be one world champion. And he was trying to say that there could be lots of world champions. <laughs> That's not life. It's crazy. Crazy talk. Mm. But, you know, it, it's all about Robbie resilience. But the kids know when they win and lose. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a good point you say about they watch sport on TV and understand the aspect yeah. of victory and defeat. Should we be saying to kids, like if I, if I have a kid and he's watching the Bulldogs on TV, don't identify as a loser, son. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> it, might be better for, it might be better for him if you are. It's, uh, it's a really good point Shane brings up, though. They're aware of it. I'm the same as Shane. I've coached at that level uh, as well from, you know, I think I had eights to 15s, foot 15s, the same team all the way through. And mm. um, in the St. George area, they didn't have grand finals on two under nine. So these kids had played three years, six, sevens, eights, and then under nines was the first grand final. And I think that's a good age. Mm. Uh, for those kids that are in their third season or their fourth season, um, having played six, sevens, eight, I know South Sydney had had grand finals all the way through under sixes um, until this year because of the changes. And, and that's a massive step for them. But I'm comfortable with sixes, sevens, eights, learning the fundamentals of the game, playing solely for fun and, and getting an understanding without the pressure of expectation of grand finals. But by nines after four years, I feel like they're ready. 
Great call from Shane. one 1170 is our number. Trev from Stanhope Gardens is on the line. Morning, Trev. Morning, boys. How are you? Yeah, talk to us about this competition uh, in junior sport. Yeah, look, I disagree, you know, that there's some potential world champion who's going to give up swimming because, you know, they lost to a big dude. Well, there's personal best. What, what they also forget to note, to remember in, in athletics, swimming, individual sports, the focus is not on, on winning. Like, my kids do a lot of do athletics, PBs. If you achieve your mm. personal best, yep. happy days. And as a parent, the dinner table conversation is paramount. If there's parents out there that are insecure and they want their kid not to be heard, well, then they're going to pull them out because the dinner table conversation, how'd you go tonight? Well, I can't last. Well, oh, well did you, if they remembered or know, or educated or take on board, well, how'd you go? Did you do a PB? Fantastic. Well done. Yeah. That's where the confidence comes from, not the actual race itself. Yes, it's great, but also when they come home, you know, other parents are able to, you know, put aside their maybe insecurities from a kid and their experiences to, to support their child. That's where I, I, I really look at. And I've got a big family, so we're now probably into uh, the, the third round of our kids doing athletics and such. And our dinner table conversation is, is very, very important, or driving home on the way home from those events. I agree, Trev. Really good point. I imagine an extension, MC, of that competition and grand finals, etc., would mean no times or results yeah. in those individual sports. Because, again, that would be identifying as either a win or a loss or success or failure. Sam, some of my greatest memories as a kid, and um, Justin went, went on before and, and was talking the fact that, well, if you lose, you might drop out. I played 11 years, didn't win, played one grand final. Mm. One grand final in 11 years, got pumped by 60, yeah. right? But still, some of my favorite memories as a kid was running out at Cogra Oval on a grand final day or a semi-final day because it was an event. You, you had that expect. You knew this was different. You knew that the rest of your club were there supporting you in the stands, you know, with their face painted, the streamers on. We went afterwards to the club and celebrated those who won, celebrated those who lost, mm. right? And we ended up playing footy again afterwards, you know, to, to all hours of the day and to our parents said, all right, it's home time. But that was about club building. It was about um, striving for something to work together towards to, to earn a, a goal at the end of the season. It was about club spirit. And if you're not playing for finals or grand finals, that's all gone. That is all gone. The sense of occasion, the, the sense of change, the sense of something different and important is gone. Uh, 0457 736 736 is our text line. I'm going to whip through a few of these, MC. Lionel says, it's called nature. Not everyone gets a prize. Spanky, uh, fantastic, thoughtful interview, boys. Top questions. Uh, what a load of crap from this texter. The Hedgehog says... All these people pushing for these changes in the kids uh, of today were just loser kids themselves and can't let go of the fact that they were just simply too soft to cope with the world growing up. Hedgehog, bam. Uh, Chase says, uh, why are we wrapping kids up in cotton wool? They see their favorite players and team playing grand finals, then they strive to be better. I can't fathom a 13-year-old not having had an opportunity to play a grand final. Correct. Yeah, correct. And the, the caller who said a, a really uh, poignant point was, let's say 
there was other world champions, potential world champions in St. Agnes Primary School in Port Macquarie <laughs> that I beat that day that therefore never went on to be world champions. Yeah. If I didn't have the excitement of winning that day, I wouldn't have joined the swimming club. Yeah. That's what made me join the sport. I enjoyed winning. Mm. Yes, I was a big kid, but I lost as many races as I won growing up. Every time I lost, I went away, tried harder, trained harder, because I love that feeling of winning. That's yeah. what kept me coming back. Yeah. In a sport like swimming, that's all you got. It's not camaraderie or team spirit or away trips. It's touching the wall first, having that satisfaction of winning. I've ne obviously never been uh, competed at the elite level. You know what I miss most about that winning dressing shed still to this day after a game? Yeah. As a coach, as a player. The euphoric that, that, that feeling, feeling. You can't well, match you, it. You can't match it. And this is someone that never played under the bright lights, never competed at an elite level. Nothing like that. But still now, if I go and play social cricket or feeling for my mate's side and we're having a few beers after a win, that is like one of my favorite moments of the week. 100%. Roosman says, guys, what about celebration of winning and losing inspiring people? Yes, exactly that. Uh, number ending in 225, no finals or grand finals for under 12s and below for junior rugby league is a short way to fast-track rugby league to the state that is affecting rugby union. The ideas of a few are dead-set killing sport in Australia. Blokes like Justin C are driving people away from the game, probably because his kids aren't good enough to play in a grand final. So his theory is, let's just cancel finals. What a sad state of affairs. Look, I, I, it's unfair on Justin, right? You can't get personal with... Um, because he, he's... He's and, going and up he's the studies. A, he's... He's yes. done countless of hours of study. He's an expert in his field and far more qualified from an academic point of view than you or I to talk about it. But this is our, we're talking from our experience. One as an, an elite athlete, one as a wannabe elite athlete and our experiences growing up playing sport at the junior level and into seniors. Uh, Peaches says, morning boys. The doctor had some good points, but the world and life itself is competition, even if you don't want it to be. Surely the way forward is to use his learnings of development to refocus for those who aren't so successful and ground those who are when they're younger and impressionable in their younger years. I just don't know where it stops. Do we, as you said, no more exams, right? That was one of the questions I had written down to ask. Do we have, do we not have school captains? Do we not vote for school captains? Do we not have um, athletics carnivals and swimming carnivals? Do we not have any of that stuff? So my question would be, and I've got a theory, kids kids are so resilient. They'll bounce back from anything. Kids are so resilient. You know, you see kids go through family disasters, uh, injuries. They, they bounce back so fast. This, the, their resilience sometimes amazes me. If you've never had a result in life, you've never been told you're good, you're bad, you're smart, you're dumb, you're fast, you're slow... You get to 14, right? And I, I, I hate this term, but you get to 14, you've been wrapped in cotton wool. Yeah. You've never been really given feedback. All you've been told is you're improving, you're developing. That first race when you're 14, you go to school carnival, 100 meter race, and suddenly now you get a time and you get a place. All right, you came fifth in the 100 meters. You lost. How do you handle that first loss? I'm mm. going to say if you've never had a result in your life and the first time is at 14, you start getting told you lost, you're a loser, that is going to impact you far greater than the highs and lows and roller coaster ride, which is life from the age of 
six, seven, eight, nine, I think you said was, was a fair age of wins, losses, ups, downs. I'm good. I'm bad. I'm fast. I'm slow. I'm good at this sport. I'm bad at this sport. Oh, that's weird. I was, I was doing athletics this whole time because I thought I was good at it, but actually I'm now 14 and I've realized I'm not fast. Yeah. I'm slow. I should have been concentrating on my academic studies, but I didn't know that I was smart because I was just told that I was run of the mill. I didn't know I was smart. I didn't know I was slow. I didn't know I was fast in this other sport. And maybe I'm wired differently. And I think you've touched on it as well. If I wasn't competing with an opportunity to win, I'm not sure I would have played sport as long as I did. Correct. That's pretty much what sport is. It's competition, right? It's a competition. Even and the now. reason it's so good is because it prepares people for life. It prepares for you to understand what it means to lose and to bounce back. In what should be, be a safe environment too, to do it. Yes. To, to experience. Because it's not life or death. That's right. That's right. It gives you an understanding of what you can accomplish or what you need to do and what you can strive back and bounce back from in not a life or death situation. All right, the text line, 0457 736 736. Millions of texts coming through. We're going to get to as many of them as we can. Give us a call as well, 1300 01 1170. If you've got a strong opinion on this matter, we'd love to talk to you. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. Calls and texts straight after this. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with Michael Carianis and James Magnuson. Quick update from the football desk. 55 minutes gone in the Premier League match between Brentford and Manchester City. Score is currently shock horror, 2-1 to Man City. A couple more goals, I reckon, from Man City before the end of that one, MC. Mm. Do you support an EPL team? You've, are you all right? No. You've asked me, how many times have you asked me? I said Newcastle, remember? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I don't really support them. It was just something that we came up with last summer. Alrighty, uh, calls <laughs> and texts on the junior competition. Uh, the text line lighting up. The phone line's lighting up, one 1170 James from Botany. Morning, James. Hey, good morning. How are you going there, boys? Yeah, very well, James. That, that, that's good. Uh, yeah, I, I want to talk about this thing with uh, the, that guy was talking about. I, I'm not with him or against him, but I, I think what the rugby league are trying to do is trying to solve a problem, and Michael might be able to help me with this. He said he coached a team between under-7s and under-15s. Yes. Um what happened to your team, Michael? What, what, that, that's a long tenure for a junior coach. It was, Boy, yeah. It, no, I, know, the, the, they stayed together. I, I, I stopped coaching once I got my job at, at the Herald because it was just impossible to, to do both. I coached at the same junior club that I played at for a long time, but uh, they stayed together for a few years. A few of them played grade uh, and the like, but, yeah, they, they stuck together. Uh, they were pretty successful. They were a very talented bunch of players, which, which helps, but, no, they, they stayed together. Yeah, my experience with junior league coaching, I, I, I coached till I was 60, um, and that's not too long ago. And I, I do remember that, well, what I, what I see is that there's a big drop-off. Mm. And I would say we lose 75% of kids from between under-10s and under-15s. Yeah, I think that's for a range of reasons as well, James, because at that 15, 16 mark, um, rightly or, or wrongly, um, you know, clubs pl- clubs have picked their rep squads and the like. And for a lot of people, if you're not designed to, to play um, rep footy, then, then maybe you give it away to because, you know, you're in your 10, you're 11, you're 12. Um, you, you concentrate on, on your studies a bit more. So I know uh, you're right, 100%. There's a massive dropout 
at that late, you know, that sort of teen level. Um, but I think there's a, a range of reasons for that. There's school. There's the fact not getting picked in rep side. There's other things. There's, you know, boys and girls and, and, and other things that they start to explore as well at, at that age. So um, you're right. There is a massive dropout at, at that age. But they find that if you play rugby league at, at some sort of level, you're generally a fan for life, even if you do drop out in terms of your, your playing commitments at 14, 15, 16. Uh, alrighty, we were talking about getting Freddie on the line. Unfortunately, Freddie is literally on his motorbike <laughs> right now as we speak, and he's having some problems with his Bluetooth. So, we've got Petro Seven, a Siva on the line, who's tailing Freddie in a car. Morning, Petro. Yeah, good morning, fellas. How are you? You're never better, Petro. Where are you coming from right now? Yeah, we're just uh, leaving uh, Toowoomba now as we speak uh, on our way up to Gympie. So, uh, yeah, it's been an amazing few days uh, for, for Freddie and the boys. And uh, myself and Ben Hannant were fortunate enough to uh, to join the, the Hogs um, as they crossed the border in Gundawindi a couple of days ago. So uh, it's been, been a fantastic couple of days so far. You don't jump on the back of a, a bike, mate. You're in, in the luxury, you're, you're sitting in the car. Mate, there might be some weight restrictions mate, uh, for me. And then, then I've got to get a helmet to fit the, the, the size of the melon. So uh, that's, that's the other problem, mate. So, uh, but no, no, look, I'm happily following uh, the boys. But uh, yeah, look, it's just been amazing to see these fellas and, and what they've done. And, you know, for, for Freddie, uh, it's been, uh, you know, I think 13 years of, uh, of doing the Hogs tours. Uh, and, and obviously now with his work with the NRL, uh, there's an opportunity to uh, to bring the tours into state, uh, up to Queensland and down into Victoria. So it uh, just keeps that legacy going and uh, spreading some, um, some some you know really positive messaging and obviously you know uh, talking all things rugby league. It's uh, it's been a, a fantastic day, a few days. Who else is part of the crew there, mate? Yeah, so we've got uh, myself, uh, Benny Hannett uh, as well. So uh, as a couple of Queenslanders, mate, we're just making sure that uh, you know. Freddie has a, a safe onward journey through Queensland. <laughs> uh, that rivalry is there for sure. We had a great standoff there on the bridge uh, uh, crossing the border at Gundawindi. And uh, we had the New South Wales uh, police escorting the boys across uh, the border. And uh, we just had to make sure that, uh, you know, Freddie uh, uh, and the boys uh, uh, did the right thing whilst they're in Queensland. Uh, they had a, a signed Moroni jersey, so that got them through. But, um, I mean, look, the reception so far in every every town that, uh, that he's gone through and... Uh, and, you know, with the Hogs as well, it's just been amazing. Uh, we had a great uh, few days there in Gundawindi. Um, and uh, as I said, yeah, up here in Toowoomba now and uh, on to Gympie today, which is uh, about three-hour ride for the boys. And um, we'll touch base there and then uh, we'll do some community visits there and uh, a bit of a school tour. And then I think we've got a, a big event on tonight, uh, cooking a barbecue and uh, having a bit of a chat there in the, in the community tonight. Will you then head back with Freddie as he comes back south of the border into New South Wales and down to eventually Victoria, or are you just are you just on the Queensland part of the trip? Yeah, mate. Unfortunately for myself, I've got to get back to work. But again, it's uh, it's, it's wonderful what the boys did. They give up their time. I mean, they, some some of uh, Freddie's mates here in the Hogs tour. Uh, this is you know for some of them their fifth and sixth time doing this. So. They give up their own time. It's uh, it, it's it's awesome to see what they do in support of of uh, of what Freddie does. And um, yeah, and again, um, for me, I'll I'll uh, finish up back to work tomorrow. But um, I know Benny Hannett will keep going through to Kingscliff. I think they have uh, a week or so off, uh, and then they'll depart Sydney again, heading down to Victoria. So um, yeah, uh, some some good times ahead for the for the boys. It was Freddie's birthday yesterday, mate. Did he keep it a, a secret, or was there a bit of a celebration for him? <laughs> 
We actually did have a, a birthday cake for him. Our, uh, our good uh, sponsors, supporters of Westpac uh, were great, mate. They uh, had a birthday cake for him up here in Toowoomba as, uh, as we, uh, we came to the branch. And, um, yeah, we all sung the happy birthday. But, uh, again, it was, uh, it was very welcomed, I guess, after a very hot few days for the boys on the bike. So, uh, mate, I'm, I can't talk. I'm sitting in uh, air-conditioned uh, comfort, mate. But the boys are uh, doing the hard yards, that's for sure. Hey, Petro, quick question without notice. We've been talking this morning about this new rule the NRL is looking to bring in where they take out competitive uh, sport for, for rugby league competitions for junior rugby league up until about the age of 12. Do you have an opinion on uh, competition for junior sports? Oh, look, I, I think it's important. Um, yeah, look, obviously, I've made that decision, but I guess for myself, I mean, you know, I... I enjoy the, the competitiveness. I, I, I think that's what you know makes you as a as a young athlete is you know um, finding the, the the will to to push beyond yourself and, and obviously you know play your part you know in a in a great team performance. Um, um, so yeah, look, um, it's uh, it's a decision that they've made. But I guess for myself, I mean, I I, I I like the fact that you know we have competition in sport. I think it's it's great. I think it, it builds character. Um, it tests you as as a as a young athlete and. Um, and as I said, pushes you, you know, to find, um, you know, go to go to another level if if if, if you will, uh, you know, to to get the best out of yourself. Yeah, that's an that's a sentiment yep. echoed by most here at SEM Petro. Uh, thank you for joining <laughs> us this morning. Enjoy the drive and the festivities tonight. Cheers, guys. Thanks so so much. There he is, Petro Seven Receiver, one of Australia, Queensland, Brisbane, mm. Penrith's yep. finest. Uh, absolute juggernaut of a player, and again, another athlete echoing the sentiment of. Well, you don't have to be pretty an much all our callers yeah. today. Hey, this one from Ziff. He says, "I would take James's opinion, who has no children and wants a nightclub in his house over a doctor <laughs> with six children any day." I'm assuming that's a little bit tongue in cheek, <laughs> but two rebuttals to that. I was once a kid, yeah, playing sport, yeah, and I was a professional athlete, so I think I have. A little bit of say yeah. in this issue. Uh, Kingsgrove, Glenn from Kingsgrove says, Justin did not mention character. Winning and losing builds character. The most important thing to being successful. Home of the mighty Kingsgrove Colts. Kingsgrove Colts. There you go. Uh, Vanessa is next with the 8.30 News. Breakfast powered by Kubota for over 40 years. We've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. Stay with us in the last half hour. It's all yours. Jump on the phone now. one 1170 or the Edgewater Homes text line 0457-736-736. Edgewater Mortgage Fund. Get up to $1,500 a month off your home loan. T's and C's apply. That text number 0457-736-736. Thanks, Vanessa. Breakfast powered by Kubota for over 40 years. We've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. If you're only just tuning in, we've had plenty of reaction to our interview with parenting expert Justin, Dr. Justin Coulson. If you missed that, it's worth catching up on the podcast. You'll also find MC's final edition of NRL Players Under Pressure. And we spoke earlier in the show about banning the G-string on beaches on the Gold Coast. MC, you were outraged. Yeah. Big G-string fan. Forget junior sport. That should have taken up all our discussion. Should have been a full morning talking about G-strings on the beach. <laughs> We also spoke about dogs on public transport. You're pro. Yes. I'm undecided on public transport, although oh, look, I like bringing my dog to the pub. Yeah. Out, I, I like taking my dog for breakfast, like not for, like out with us for, for breakfast and, yep. and stuff, but 
as long as they can sit outside, I, I, I'm not comfortable with it walking in. And of course, the story that's dominating the headlines before, you just heard Vanessa mention it in the news, uh, King Charles has been diagnosed with cancer. We're not sure which type of cancer yet, but no doubt that story is going to dominate the headlines today. Uh, to catch up on all those stories, just search for Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder that Vossi and Brandy are back on your radio next Monday. Six more sleeps. People get excited right here in the home of sport in Sydney, SEN 1170 AM. Now, before we get back to your calls and texts, we wanted to chat up and coming players thanks to Nilex. Elevate your summer garden maintenance with Nilex's watering products. Water like a Nile expert. Expert. Nile expert. Yes, there you go. Nile expert. Available at Bunnings Warehouse. Sounds like one of my live reads. I wanted to get them all their coverage. Nile expert. Nice. Now, up and coming players, MC. Yeah, there's a story. Let me guess. Where, where are you going to go with well, this? Well, there was a story that caught my eye over the weekend from- Did you write Ray- such story? I didn't know. <laughs> oh, was it about planes going to Vegas? <laughs> it was from um, Brent Reed, who-, okay. who um, interviewed Shane yeah, he Flanagan. About he wrote about Shane Flanagan. Um, he interviewed Shane Flanagan after the scrimmage between Manly and, and the Dragons last Friday, and <clears throat> there was an interesting one for for mine of <clears throat> of Dylan Egan. He's a young young back rower. His name, yeah. yeah who, who, who Shane Flanagan? You speak to Shane Flanagan. He's like he's going to be a long term first nice. grader at the Dragons. But the thing that was surprising for me is the fact that um, Flanagan is considering to pick him in round one. As a starting back rower or as a bench player? Well, at this stage, potentially as a starting back rower. Whoa. Because you've got Jaden Sewer on one side. I thought maybe Jack Bird would, would play in the second row, but he's going to play at centre. So Dylan Egan will get a chance. They've got Tom Eisenhouse and uh, Ray Fatalamarina that they've just signed as well. So not a great... And they've got the Couchman brothers as well, who I thought would you know, push through to, to start having played a fair bit of first grade last year. Yes. But, yep. um, yeah, Dylan Egan... He's only 18. He's contracted until the end of 2025. 18. Is he a local junior? Local Illawarra junior. Huge hopes. Beautiful. Huge, huge yep. hopes on him. Um, and I dare say he'll play. If he doesn't play round one, he'll play in first grade at some stage this year. Is he in that top 30 squad or is he a... He's on a development player. Contract, yeah. um, but next year he goes into the top 30, okay. which is the final year of his deal. And I know the Dragons will be keen to, to lock him down long term. There you go, Dragons fans. There's some good news for you. Uh, that was thanks to Nilex. Elevate your summer garden maintenance with Nilex's water products. Water like a Nile expert. Available at Bunnings Warehouse. We're here for Bryden's Leaders. Unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Bryden's Leaders. A wet morning across Sydney. Looking outside there, it's raining, it's windy. Uh, we're heading for a top of 27 today. Back with all your calls and texts in just a moment. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with MC and the Missile. A reminder that the Sydney Kings are back home this Sunday at Kudos Bank Arena. They take on the Illawarra Hawks in a 4v5 clash. It's a huge clash as we get to the pointy end of the NBL season. Tickets are still available from Ticketek. I just wanted to ask you something quickly, MC. This popped into my head. Uh-oh. I don't know where. We're talking about potentially Travis Kelsey and his brother mm. coming out to Australia whilst Taylor Swift is here yes. playing a concert, which would be exciting for NFL fans mm. to get a look at some of those guys going that angle instead of the T-Swift angle. Mm-hmm. We're talking, where would they be staying? Big yeah. house in Borcluse, penthouse at the Crown. Now, I was in Parramatta on Sunday. Yes. And something caught my eye. Have you got a I recommendation was... for them? Uh, I'll let you decide. So I was driving through the main street of Parramatta, sort of near, near between the Westfields and Parramatta Stadium. 
Combank Stadium, it's called now. I drove past the Parramatta Motel. Mm. And had, they had this huge sign up outside the Parramatta o- Hotel advertising $83 yes. for a half-day room. Half-day stay. Half-day stay. Two be- questions for you. Question one, what hours would that include? Yes. Question two, what would you be using that hotel room for half a day? I'll probably leave it to your imagination, Miss Hall. I want to I know what's in your mind. Oh, just a bit of R&R. Just a, a bit of alone time, get a book, just chill out by yourself. What about you? So <laughs> what hours would you consider the half day to be then? Is that 8 p.m. to 8 a.m.? Or no? That's a... That's almost... That'd be a... That's a full stay? Full stay. Like, so a half day, are we talking... Like three to eight. 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. Yeah. Or whatever the equivalent would be of five hours, roughly. Five hours is a half day? Yeah. I don't know. I was very interested. $83 seems cheap, but so I don't know what you're doing Valentine's there. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, Miss Ol. Okay. There you go. So do you think Travis and Taylor <laughs> should stay in the Parramatta? <laughs> do you think so? <sighs> Tell you what. I don't know what's going on in those hotels, but <laughs> leaves a bit to the imagination. All right. Uh our text line, 0457736, even better, give us a call, one three hundred o one eleven seventy. Cam of South Hamilton is on the line. Morning, Cam. Hey, boys, how we going? Never better, Cam. Uh, did you want to talk about a half-day motel or some NRL? Oh, no, I actually had a couple of questions for MC. Yeah. Um, just, well, we only got them for a couple more days, I suppose. Um, I was just wondering, um, so we at the Warriors, we got rid of... Um, got rid of Josh Curran and brought in Kurt Capewell. Mm. I'm just wondering why the Warriors would be even interested in that. Like, Curran, he's got much more upside. He's young. Capewell, he's probably coming near the end. Yeah. And, and, like, the Warriors actually have decent leadership experience. Like, we've got Roger, Torhu. Um, I don't really see a huge upside in Kurt Capewell. Yeah, it was int- he, he sort of fell out of favour a little bit at the back end of, of last year, Josh Curran, didn't he? Because previously... Um, under Nathan Brown, at least he was playing big minutes, and you know was on the cusp of playing for New South Wales at times, and then just couldn't find his feet last year. I'm not sure if he just fell foul of the the system there, or maybe Andrew Webster didn't rate him as highly as as some of the previous coaches, and you know he's probably best in the middle where Kate Wells probably best on an edge um, for for the Warriors. Um, that could be my only way of thinking. There can, but you're right. It, you know, Josh Curran ha- has more upside. But in Capewell, I guess you get in a premiership winner. He played in last year's grand final. Knows what it takes to to get those around him to to that next level. So maybe that's what they were looking at. Oh yeah, okay. And just quickly on um, the Panthers, mm. you think they'd be kicking themselves a little bit to have let Cogger go? Because from all reports, or from what I've seen online, it seems to be Gamble and Hastings actually in the halves. And obviously, Luai's leaving, but they could have had Cogger next season. Saw how uh, clear he played in the mm. grand final with them. Yeah. It, yeah. It's obviously they had to give Jerome a, as much time as he needed. And Cogger was off contract heading into 2024. Whether or not he would have been comfortable holding out for 12 months or, or move clubs or move back to Newcastle to, to chase um, a starting spot, I don't think it's as clear cut. Speaking to people in Newcastle, over the last couple of weeks, it's genuinely a battle there. Uh, they're undecided on who will start in the halves there. So Jack Cogger still may start. I think probably that best combination is Hastings and, and Cogger uh, at the 6 and 7 for the Newcastle Knights. But, yeah, it's not locked in. But in an ideal world, the Panthers would have given Cogger another 
at least 12, 24 months and, and given him that opportunity in 2025, whether or not Cogger would have been comfortable to sit behind um, Luai and Cleary for another 12 months, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Oh, well, thank you. And cheers, boys, for the good summer. It's been enjoyable having you boys on. Thanks, thank Cam. you, Cam. Uh, like Cam said, MC only with us for a few more days. So if you do have any rugby league questions, great opportunity to pick his brains, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 uh, the text line, MC. Good morning, gentlemen. Regarding the professor and his views on competitiveness, I reckon the caveman knew it was a competition between him and the saber-toothed tiger. Competition is in our DNA. Yes. Mm. Life is a competition, MC. It is. Uh, morning, team. Sorry, but don't get me started about the cricket rules for young children. I coach cricketers for decades, and over the past few years... They have become very frustrated and irritated by what was brought in. I really think people with cricket backgrounds, not those with sports qualifications, should be making the decisions. That's what it feels like. You can't have blanket rules for all under 11s and 12s, for example. The best under 12 cricketers compared to the not-so-talented are playing under the same rules. It's all very neat uh, and and it's all very neat for the sports bureaucrats. Sorry for the long text. I could add even more. Regards, Martin. Uh, Robin Blacktown says, Boys, have you seen some of the auditions on Australian Idol? That's the pinnacle of you can't do anything you put your mind to. People tell them you can and they're great. <laughs> Same principle with sport. Not everyone can do it like the best. Yes, they can train to be better and have something to strive towards. Losing is part of the process. It weeds out champions from the participants. Correct. Uh, if I didn't have grand finals when I was a kid, I probably would have given the game away. Besides playing with your mates, it was about working towards a common goal. Winning, says Paul. I agree with that. And I, I, I think there is a, a portion of people that would stop playing or be less inclined or less excited, less engaged to play Yep. If they're not competing for uh, a trophy at the end of it. Mm. Uh, Sunny Coast Dragon, morning boys. I believe the no tackling will be dangerous. My kids learnt technique in under sixes before kids were huge. And when new kids, new kids came in from under 12s and up, they always struggled with head position and technique. It would be better to limit collisions with five metres instead of 10 and no kickoff, etc. Well, the no tackling is only halfway through under sevens. So they learn in under so sixes and halfway through under sevens. No, no, you can tackle in under sixes now as okay. it stands. Or as it, you know, as my understanding. Um, and then I'm pretty sure at under sixes and, you know, in, mod, uh, in mini footy, they're only back five metres anyway. Yeah. Uh, Damo from Cessnock says, I wouldn't run the blue light over the $83 room. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, morning, boys. I believe the no tackling will be dangerous. Uh, it's Sunny Coast Dragon. Eminem, maybe all kids should just hide under their beds until they're 14 in case, God forbid, they get beaten at anything. Footy, Monopoly, skipping, etc. Fair dinkum. Where is this joint heading when people like old mate you just had on uh, coming up with this woke everyone's a winner crap, says OJ. Getting both sides of the spectrum here, MC. Uh, Mitch from Oran Park says, good morning, gents. Maybe rugby, need, rugby League needs to look at introducing a social competition for junior kids alongside the yep. competitive competition. Kids who want to be competitive should not be punished because they're other kids who can't play or don't want to play in a competitive 
competition. I would love to see that. And I'd love to see the take up in non-competitive be competitive. And let the kids decide. Don't let the parents decide. Let the kids decide if they want to compete for competition points or run around aimlessly for months, for years. Yeah. It's not a bad suggestion. Uh, Lads, in the words of the great Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. Says the Port Adelaide Dragons. Uh, morning, gents. Re doctor's assessment on competitive sports. Uh, without simplifying it too much, this take is like diets. There are expert studies that certain approaches are the best and they often are diametrically opposed to the others. Kids also get drive from competition and it needs to be managed correctly. Whether there is a scoreboard present or kids don't know the scores, uh, they always know who wins. Cheers, Webby. Both sides, MC, but I'd yeah. say more so pro oh, competition than against 90%. it. 90%. Uh, we've had some great calls this morning, MC, uh, and we'll announce who's won today's prize in just a moment. Welcome back to Summer Breakfast with MC and the Missile. Thanks for all your contributions today. We've had some great calls on the open line. Well done to Shane of Bronte. He gets the golf tour towel and a dozen limited edition Chrome Soft Truvis golf balls from Odyssey, the number one putter in golf. And we're going to give Peter of Ashfield the Signet Boost Power Bank, which will keep his phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24 7. It's been a roller coaster of the morning, what? MC. We started in We started weird with Charles, way. poor King Charles, who's got cancer. G strings. Then we went to G-Strings on the beach. Dogs. On the Gold Coast. Dogs on public transport. Bit of Taylor Swift action. Bit of Taylor Swift. Half day hotels, $83 <laughs> in Parramatta. Still want 0457736736. If we could sneak in a quick text of someone who stayed for a half day at the Parramatta <laughs> Motel for $83, what did you do in there? Uh, and then we went into competition for kids' yeah. sport, uh, namely NRL, who yeah. are looking to introduce... This new rule around no grand finals up mm. until under 13. 13s, which we thought was a little bit too old. But yeah. Dr. Uh, Dr. Justin uh, came on to dispute that. So maybe they could push it a bit further. 14 to 14. Mm. Not only that, he doubled down and said we shouldn't be having competition around school results either. Yes. No tests, no grading, no competition in sport. Which would mean no school captains. Which no would, athletics carnival, no swimming carnival, yeah. no no picking sides at lunchtime. Well, that's the thing. How do you stop that? You can't. Go outside of organized sport. Go or, to the or, playground. You know what? Maybe they, it will be stopped because they won't know what it is because mm. no one's taught them. What but a it, morning. What a roller coaster ride. Yeah. I'm exhausted and it's not even nine o'clock. Go <laughs> uh, home and nap. Miserable old day out there. So what you can do is you can stay tuned here. To SEN. We've got the cricket coverage from 2 p.m. of the one-day international between the West Indies and Australia. Dead rubber, but it'll still be a great game. Yep. Have a good day, MC. You too, mate. Enjoy. Bye.